Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys in the room. Hey, thank you for joining us online. Man, we are just so grateful that you would take a little time to be with us. And man, wasn't worship amazing? Come on, let's do some live worship. How awful was that? Good job. So great to see some of you um, for the first time in a long time, or at least to see your eyes. Grateful to see that. But man, praying for so many of you. So grateful uh, to be here. And we're praying for you guys online too. We would love to be able to pray for you. So just drop something in the comments section. We would love to be able to pray for you today um, as soon as we are over with these services. You know, we are launching this series called Jesus Over Everything. And I think it's an understatement to say 2020 has been quite a year. Am I right? Like that's a little bit of an understatement. And so we just began to look at like, what would it look like for us to be able to take the next 90 days and do whatever we could to just change the tone of 2020? You know, they say it takes 21 days to build a habit. Like if you want to eat better or exercise more, stop biting your nails, they say it takes 21 days. But they say it really takes 90 days to change your lifestyle. And so what if we were able to take 90 days just to, to see 2020 kind of differently and what God may want to do in 2020? Because clearly it's not over yet and God's not done with it yet. And so I thought that today, one of the things that we want to talk about is Jesus over 2020. And there's this one passage in the Bible. I think we should just start by reading together. It's the quintessential passage on Jesus' work in our life who he is and what he wants to do and his restoration power and the fact that he is central to everything. And so we just want to center our attention and let this capture our affection so it can carry us into the future. So you're going to see it come up on your screen, Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one is going to come up on your screen. I'm going to read it from my Bible and then I want us to all read it together. Can we do that? How many in the room can read? All right, how many online you guys can read? Hey, so let's do this. We're gonna read this together, but, but let's do something a little bit different to mark the moment, to set the tone for the next 90 days. I'm gonna ask you just to stand, like right where you are, just stand up. Online, if you guys would stand so we can read this together. Some of you grew up Catholic, you feel like you're back in Catholic church, don't you? Up, down, up, down. So, uh, but hey, we're just gonna read this together. Some of you right now, you're living this, you're believing it. Some of you are like, I don't know if I believe that, like, I don't know. But maybe God wants to use his word today to transform your heart and change how you see him. So let's read this together. Colossians chapter one, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Hey God, what a great passage, Lord. How, how amazing it is to focus our attention on the center of the universe, the center of our lives, God, the center of 2020. And so God, we just ask that you would use this time to crystallize these words in our heart, that they would just take root deep in our lives today and that we would see the next 90 days completely transform us in so many ways. And we just pray in Jesus' name, amen. Great, you guys can grab a seat. You know, as we think about 2020 and all that's happened in 2020, um, I think we all had grand visions for what 2020 would be, didn't we? Like the year of possibility. I mean, what a better metaphor than 2020 vision. 
And we had this idea of newness and redemption and starting out the year differently. And then, and then it kind of turned on us. And now I think 2020 is actually going to be a synonym for Job. You think about that? You know, you remember Job in the Bible, right? Job, just his life crashed around him. Everything kind of went wrong for him. I think now instead, and so sometimes when we go through a difficult time, we'll say, man, I just feel like I'm living the life of Job. And now I think what we're going to say is, man, I'm just living the life of 2020 all over again. It's just going to be this word. What about this one? You've heard of Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. We're going to start calling it, it's just the 2020 law, right? This is just 2020 all over again. Anytime something happens, we'll be like, it's just 2020 life. We are so over 2020, aren't we? I can remember when my daughter taught me this word over when she was a teenager. She would say, dad, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Like whatever it was, dad, I'm over it. And what she meant was, it's, I, don't, I, I want it to be over. I want it to be done. I want it to be behind me. I want it to be in my rearview mirror. And we want it to be over. But it's not going to be over. It's not going to be over. Like we think that this magical ticking of the clock, uh, you know, from December the 31st to January the 1st, when the ball drops at Times Square, we think God's going to just magically take an etch-a-sketch to 2020 and erase it by shaking it a little bit. Hey, but we're all changed. We see the world differently now. Man, we see our priorities different. We see technology different. We see restaurants different. We see church different. We see the economy different. We see masks different. We see hand sanitizer different. We see school different. We see Walmart and the grocery store different. Man, we just, we see things different. And so it has changed us and it's changed how we see. And here's the thing I believe. I don't believe that Jesus is done with 2020, but I think he's over 2020, amen? Right? I think that there's some work that he still wants to do. I think there's some, some priorities he still wants to change. I think there's some perspective that he wants to do. And here's what I believe. I believe that rather than an end, it's just the beginning. I believe there's a day dawning in so many of our lives where God wants to show us how he can bend bad for our benefit. He wants to show us how he can bend 2020 for our benefit. And what if God could bend 2020 for your benefit? Like what if coming out of 2020 and everything that's happened, no matter what it is, what if God wants to bend it for our our benefit because God is over 2020. That's who he is. Um, This is not the end, I don't think, but it's just the backdrop to something stunning that God wants to do in your life. You know, I think for a lot of people, you would say 2020 is chaotic, has been chaotic, confusing, and even a little cloudy. It's hindered my vision. But I think... 2020 actually has been the great clarifier of our lives. Hey, hear me when I say this. I think we see much more clearly than we ever have. We just don't like what we see. And if we look at our priorities, we look at, we look at them, we're like, what have I been doing with my life? And when we look at our problems, we see them now and problems that may have been under this cover, maybe swept under the rug, or maybe we've been able to cover over them with, with our financial picture or with staying busy. Now we can't and our problems just seem to be manifested. That addiction that just was kind of lurking underneath the surface now is in full force, evident for all to see. See, I, I, think, I think we see clearly. I just think there's some things in our lives that we don't, we don't like what we see. But what if it could be different? Like what if today is just the start of a different way to see life? What if your 2020 could be different? Like for some people, God's already started redeeming it and restoring it. 
And I believe he wants to do this in everybody's life. Hey, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're going to have words on the screen. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to just kind of read from 31 all the way down through verse 39. Now, Now, Romans was written by a guy named Paul. And so Paul wrote it to the church in Rome. You guessed it. It's in Rome. And he's writing it to a group of Christians who had undergone some persecution, who had undergone some difficult times. And so there's some, definitely some application for us today. How's it going to change us and how can we live differently? Um, but, but also Romans chapter 8 has been called the greatest chapter in the Bible. Like that's a pretty big claim. The greatest chapter in the Bible. So Romans chapter 8, let me start in verse 31 and just read down through that. Paul says this, what shall we say to these things, meaning all these things that have happened against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Maybe the greatest statement in the Bible. He who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against any of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding or praying for all of us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or pandemic or riots or masks or hand sanitizer? Like the list goes on, right? We just fill it in. And the Bible should be reading us right now. As it's written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yeah, amen right there. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul has this kind of crescendo. This is what many would call Paul's manifesto, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible with the greatest passage in the Bible, with the greatest verse in the Bible. If God's for us, man, who, who can be against us? You know, this is, this is Paul's greatest writing. It's, it's kind of like Da Vinci's Mona Lisa or get, uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg or maybe Beethoven's Fist. It, this is the height of what he wrote. And this is why it's important. This is what got Paul through some difficult times. And he continued to live with passion and purpose, right? Like Paul went through shipwreck. He went through being left out in the cold. He went through days at sea. He went through persecution. He, had to, he went through hiding himself from people who were trying to kill him. And he went through health problems. He went through loneliness. He went through being separated from his family and being separated from people that he loved. Yet he still was able to march with passion and purpose. Like, wouldn't you like some of that? Like, it's easy to, do, to move forward when things are good, isn't it? Like we all get it, but man, when things get a little hard, when things get a little difficult, we need something to propel us into the future that can carry us and can help us. And this is how Paul got there. It's through these simple words. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Now, now I love this idea of who can be against us. Paul doesn't try to gloss over the fact that there's some, something against us. Have you noticed there's something against you? Anybody in the room? Anything against you today? Like we got some things. Hey, online, what's been against you? Hey, just drop it in the, in the comments right now. What has been said against you, man? There are things we go through that are set against us. And generally, as Christians, what we, what we do, if we're not careful, is we'll kind of drop that Christian cl- cliche coffee mug verse on somebody. You know, that coffee mug saying, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. True, but not always helpful. Am I right? 
man, God's got this. And what happens is we minimize the difficulty. We minimize the hardship. And so what Paul is doing for us is he's not, he's not trying to minimize life's difficulties, but he's trying to maximize God's vision for our lives and maximize God's goodness. He's trying to maximize the goodness of God. Listen, we, we have a God who is good, but we face difficulties. And we could just go through the list. You have the difficulties you faced because it's 2020, but then there's other difficulties that you were already facing, weren't you? And there's other difficulties that have popped up that have nothing to do with what we've gone through in 2020. Maybe it's a bad boss. You know, maybe it's a rebellious teenager. Maybe it's a broken marriage. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an empty bank account. Like we all face difficulties. Listen, we don't need to minimize our difficulties. But we need to maximize the goodness of God. And this is what Paul says. Paul knows there's all kinds of things that have been said against him. And I wonder for you in the room right now, like if you could, if there was just one thing that, that came to mind when I thought about difficulties, like there's a piece of paper right next to everybody in the room. And we, uh, that was a completely uh, sanitized placement of those right there, by the way. Love for you to just write now, hey, what's that word? We're going to have an opportunity to do some of that with that in just a minute. What's the word? What's the difficulty? What's the hardship that you faced in 2020? We see this happen to people in the Bible all the time. Man, the people in the Bible who are the heroes go through the hardest difficulties. Abraham, his wife Sarah, was supposed to be the, to, supposed to give birth to the father of many nations. Like he's supposed to be the father of many nations and they're going to have more children than uh, sand on the seashore. Yet she becomes an old woman and she's, she's not pregnant. And that's, that's a hardship. It's a difficulty. And it's what Joseph faced when Joseph finds himself sold into slavery by his brothers, his own family. It's what Rahab faced when she was a, a prostitute and yet she became in the lineage of Jesus, she, she was a, a woman of no reputation, of a difficult life. It's what Moses faced when he stood on the, on the, at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming down behind him and looking at this big body of water trying to lead three million complaining Jews across the, into the promised land. And it's what Peter faced when he denied Jesus three times. It's what the woman who'd been, uh, had a hemorrhage for 12 years faced when she was touching, touched the cloak of Jesus. Listen, this is, this is kind of part of the Christian stories that we're going to face hardship. But Paul's like, hey, man, this is just, let's just acknowledge the difficulty in our life. We have to acknowledge that it's hard in order to accept hope. We have to acknowledge that it's hard. But then you have this two-letter word that jumps out in that verse, don't you? Man, this word that seems inconsequential, if. This really small, connective word that, that kind of begins to explode in our lives through Paul's words. If God is for us. If God is for us. He writes in verse 31. Man, this word is inconsequential, it seems, but it has breakthrough power for all of us. Man, Paul is so clear that God is for him. So clear that God is for him. Like there was nothing that could shake this vision of his that God was for him. He was clear. Like, are you that clear this morning? Like, are, are you that clear on who God is and what he wants to do in your life? Like, are you that clear that God has good intentions towards you? You know, the great church father, Augustine, said something like this. He said, what a person thinks about when they think about God, the most important thing about them. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so if you, were to, if you were to just take a moment to close your eyes or maybe pull your mask up over your eyes and, and 
That was funny, y'all. Y'all got y'all got to laugh right there. Um, and just to think about what image comes to mind when you think about God. Like, is God laughing? Or is that vein bulging in his head like your dad used to when he was angry? Like, is God, are God's arms open or are they crossed? Is he got his back to you or is he engaging you? You know, most people, most people get their image of God from their dad when they got in trouble. Like how your dad responded to you or maybe your parents responded to you when you got in trouble. That's how most of us think about God. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. We need, to, we need to be sure we understand that God's intentions towards us are good. And that if God is for us, man, nothing can be against us. Now, this doesn't mean that we just win every time, right? All right? Some of you Mississippi State fans learned that yesterday. It doesn't mean that our team wins because guess what? The other team is praying too, right? It doesn't mean that everything always goes according to our plan, but what it does mean is God is going to bend something for our good. That's what's going to happen. He's going to bend it for our benefit. You know, this was the very first sin was when someone doubted God. Like if you wonder what's at the top of the list of things you could do to frustrate God, it, to make him ignore you, this is it. it's doubting the goodness of God. You remember the story of Adam and Eve? Like, great story, right? Adam creates, I mean, God creates Adam and Eve. Of course, Adam thought he created it. That was a problem. But God creates Adam and Eve, places him in the garden. And he says this to him. Hey, see that tree right there? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat that one. Everything else, knock yourself out. Have fun. Gorge yourself. Just enjoy. But that one, no. Satan comes to Eve and says, hey, did God, did God say you couldn't eat from that tree? And he's like, yeah, matter of fact, we can't even touch that tree. I can't touch that tree. And Satan says, you know, he just knows that if you eat from that one, you'll be just like him. In other words, it's really no big deal because he doesn't have your best interest in mind. But me, on the other hand, I do. And you should eat of that tree. So the very first sin comes from a doubt about the goodness of God. Hey, let me define faith for you. Sometimes we think that faith is just, I've just got to believe, I've just got to believe, I've just got to believe. Hey, the Bible says this, even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. Faith is believing that God is good. That's what faith is. It's believing that God has good intentions for me and he has the ability to come through. Now, some people respond in difficulties like Job. Just to reach back into the story of Job. Job life crashes down around him and his wife has some very encouraging words for him. She says, Job, curse God and die. That's what she says. In other words, God doesn't care about you. God's not going to take care of you. God is not good. Then you have people like Martha. If you remember the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible, they always hosted Jesus when he came through town. So there was this one time he's coming through town and all his entourage, all his friends, dozens of people show up in their house and Martha is running around just trying to take care of things. Mary, on the other hand, is sitting on the couch with Jesus having a conversation. So Martha walks up to Jesus and says, hey, hey can you tell her to help me? I'm like, I don't, could she not ask Mary herself? I don't know. Can you tell her to help me? I am all alone. And listen, that's how you can feel sometimes. If you don't believe God's for you, that God is good, you feel, you'll feel all alone. 
You feel like having to navigate your, your life by yourself with no one to ask questions to, no one to give you wisdom, no one to give you insight, no one to give you encouragement. That's how you'll feel. You'll feel like you are all alone. And listen, if you doubt God's goodness, it's going to show up in your life in a thousand different ways. And you don't even realize it. Anybody felt any anxiety over the last four, six, seven, eight months, right? That anxiety, right? It, it reveals something that we believe about God. Anybody read the news in panic? Hey, do any of you guys get a phone call from someone you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, what do they want? The world's caving in right now. Because it must be a problem. Why? Because they never call you, right? And you begin to panic. This could reveal something about review of God. How many control freaks in the room? Come here. Come on. Come on, two. That's not true. So many, you're such a control freak, you won't even raise your hand when I say control freak. Hey, somebody drop control in the chat right now. Like, how many control freaks we got out there? We have got some control freaks. I'm, I'm chief of sinners right here. We like to be in control because the reason why is because we don't always trust that God is going to the, make the best decisions for us. We like to be in control. We want to be in control of our schedule. We want to be in control of our money. We want to be in control of, uh, of our kids. Some of you guys, you're the room mom, and it's not because you really like to volunteer, but you just want to know what's going on in your kid's class. Am I right? Any moms right there with me? Don't, don't raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. That's cool. But you get it, right? We like control. And what happens is then God's not in control. It reveals something, it, it reveals something about our belief in God. What about your finances? How you handle your finances reveals something about your belief in God. Like if you were to look at your finances, are you generous? Do you help people? Do you give stuff away? Maybe even go without? Or do you try to hoard and save and bring things together so much so that that there's no room for you to actually have to worry that God's going to come through for you. Hey, in parenting, this shows up. Man, if, if we don't believe that God is good and that God is in charge of those kids he gave you, right? And what happens? You're going to parent out of fear. They're going to make a mistake. They're going to embarrass you. They're going to destroy their lives and we'll parent out of fear. Shows up in our marriages. It shows up at work. What we believe about God shows up in every area of our lives. And this is why he's always telling us that he's good. One of the first things the angels said when they showed up to tell the shepherds that Jesus was coming in the Christmas story, good news of great joy, right? Good tidings for all men. This is the God that we serve. Hey, some of you have experienced some redemption this year, haven't you? Like some of you parents, you've, you've spent more time with your kids because they they've been at home a lot. And while I get it, it's a little tiring and maybe a little bit frustrating at times. Those are moments that, that you never would have had in the first place. Those are moments you've had to invest in them. Those are moments you've had to build character quality. And those are moments they're going to look back on when they get older. Is moments of, man, restoration and redemption and that God had did something special. You know, for those of you, maybe you had a college kid back. Anybody got college students back? Handful. Got a handful of people. Got some college students back. What about online? You got a college student back? And there came a point you're probably like, when are they going back? Like this online thing needs to be over, right? But the truth is those are moments that you got. I was reading an article in Vanity Fair this week. You know that the, the savings rate in the United States has tripled in the last five, six months because we don't spend money on all the things we used to spend money on. And there's so much that God is using to restore through this time. Because why? Because God's good. And that's why he's going to bend 2024 our 
benefit. Think about how he restored for the guys in the Bible who went through difficulty. Man, what about Abraham who was given a child? What about Moses who led the nation of Israel and got to see the sea part? Man, what about, what about Joseph who saw his redemption story where he was able to deliver his family? What about Daniel who was able to be delivered from the lion's den? Man, what about Peter who saw Jesus resurrected and then was able to give his life telling other people the good news? What about the woman who was sick for 12 years who touches the hem of his garment and is made whole. Listen, God is good. And he's got a, he's got a long track record to prove that he is good. You know, and, and then Paul, he gets into how we can know God is good. And in verse 32, he says, he who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, God gave his son. I love this idea that, that like, man, it was just kind of this demonstration of God's love through shock and awe. You know, you know, shock and awe is just when you come against your enemy with everything you have, every piece of firepower, all the ammunition, all the artillery, all the infantry, all the air power, because you just want to shock them. And you don't want to leave any doubt who's in charge. And this is what God did that Jesus comes and dies for our sins. Jesus comes and dies for us to be restored. Man, and there's no one scrambling that egg, is there? Like, like once that happens, you are all in. There's no putting that toothpaste back in the tube, man. He is all in. And if he did that for us, doesn't everything else come under that? Isn't he over everything if he died and rose again for us? And this is the hope that we have and what we can lean into, man, is that Jesus died for us. He proved the fact that he was good. And this is where we land in 2020 and that God is still good. It didn't take him by surprise. And no matter what difficulty he had, he's going to bend it for our benefit. And he's going to do something special to restore it. Like so many good things have happened this year. Can we just say launching a campus on October the 4th, 2020? Let's go. I think they're about... 15 minutes into the launch right now. But if I know anything about that crew, they're probably not 15 minutes into it. Um, but man, they're 15 minutes into it and so much good has happened and God's gonna do something amazing and God's gonna do something amazing in your family too. It's not just for people out there, it's for you right here today. Man, God wants to change your heart. God wants to bend something for your benefit. God wants to take your deepest sorrow and turn it into your greatest victory. That's what, God, that's what Paul is saying. The fact that Jesus died and then he was raised again from the dead. Man, everything else comes under this. Man, everything else comes under this. And here's what this proves about God. Now, one thing that we know about success in life, if you listen to any motivational speaker, they say that one of the biggest keys to success is what? Just showing up. Just showing up. You just got to keep showing up. And what the resurrection proves that God is always going to show up. Hey, there's an amen that goes right there, right? God is always going to show up. Hey, somebody drop show up right there in the chat today. Man, God is always going to show up. Means God's going to show up in our difficulties. God's going to show up in our marriages. God's going to show up in our finances. Man, God's going to show up in our health. God even shows up in death. God always shows up. This is what the resurrection proves. And this is the motivation for us to live that we need to always show up. Man, we need to keep showing up. Man, we need to keep showing up to church. We need to keep showing up to giving. We need to keep showing up to reading our Bible. We need to keep showing up to praying. We need to keep showing up to serving. We need to keep showing up to caring. We need to keep showing up. This is how Jesus becomes over 2020 is we just keep showing up doing the things that Jesus would do. We just keep showing up. 
man, he gave us his son. It's this grand demonstration of his love for us. And then in verse 35, man, Paul, I just want to, I'm going to start in 35 and read through it again, because this is such a great doxology to what Paul is writing. Paul says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else. Like Paul couldn't come up with anything else. He says, okay, all of it. Man, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, this is an invitation for us to see life against the backdrop of eternity. Do you know who's had the hardest time through 2020? People who've placed the most hope in 2020. People have had the hardest time with 2020. It's people who lost sight of eternity, lost sight of the bigger picture. Man, they placed their hope here and there's no anchor here. I think one of the great learnings that we have, one of the great blessings that God has given us is that this is not all there is. There's more. There's an eternity that's waiting for us that we can't even begin to describe. It's not worthy to be compared, Paul says. Man, life has been the hardest on people who prioritize this life. Now, now, now here's one I think that we need to sit in for just a minute. We just need to think about this. It may be that you're not 100, that, that you don't feel like God is 100% for you. If you just think about your life and what you've been through and the circumstances, but could it be, could it be that it's not that God's not 100% for you, but it's that you're not 100% for God? Like, could that be it? Like, could that be maybe a source of difficulty, a source of, anxiety and panic and struggle. And maybe, could it be that you're not 100% for God? Listen, Jesus won't be over anything until he's over everything. Hey, let me say this again. Jesus won't be over anything until he's over everything. Jesus is not the backup quarterback. He didn't come in off the bench. He's not the emergency break of your life. And he is everything he is everything. Man, this, this uh, always reminds me of the story of a guy named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador. Man, he had everything going for him. Man, he was young, he was good looking, just been, gotten married and was giving his life to this worthy cause of seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And while he's in Ecuador, uh, the people who he's trying to reach with the gospel actually kill him and his friends. Well, well through, through the, as the story goes, his wife ends up years later moving back to that village. That village comes to know Christ. And some of the men who were there when he died actually had their hearts and their lives transformed. And here's what Jim Elliott said before, before this happened. He said, he is no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. He's no fool who gives what he can't keep, this life, to gain what he can't lose, Jesus. And this is the, the hope that we have for 2020, that Jesus is over 2020. And he's going to bend it for our benefit. And what we need to do, man, for the next 90 days, to have a lifestyle change, we just need to keep showing up. 
You just need to keep showing up. Keep showing up to do the things that Jesus would do. Keep showing up when you're tired. Keep showing up when you feel empty. Keep showing up when you celebrate. Keep showing up when your schedule allows it. Keep showing up when your schedule doesn't allow it. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up to do the things that Jesus would do. What's keeping you from that? Like, what's the one thing from 2020 that, man, just seems to be hanging over your head? I want you to take that piece of paper right now. Just what is that one thing, that one thing that's keeping you from experiencing Jesus being over your 2020? What's been the hardest thing? Like what problem have you encountered that you feel like you couldn't get by? Man, it, it continues to kind of be stuck like a splinter in your mind today. What's that one thing? What, what's, the, what's the one question you continue to have? And what's the biggest doubt you have about God and what can he do or what can he not do? Like, what's the biggest sorrow that you've experienced in 2020? And just take a minute to write that down. And we'll have a moment here in a second to do something with that. All right, let's take a minute. And let's, just, let's just pray together. So just in this silence of this moment, And you would just take a moment just to write that down, whether you're at home or whether you're in the room, man, here live. Just take a minute just to to write down what that greatest sorrow is. Sometimes it's just so good to mark a moment. And sometimes you need to leave some things behind before you can actually move forward. You have to acknowledge some hardship, some pain point, some sorrow, some doubt, some underlying anxiety, man, some, some worry that you have or even a fear that you're experiencing. You just have to write it down so that God can take it from you. Because what, what's happening is it's keeping you from experiencing Jesus over literally everything in your life. And maybe this one thing is the first domino to fall for Jesus to actually be over everything. For you experience him bending everything for your good and for your benefit. That today's the day you just need to let that go. Today's the day you just need to let that go. So just take a minute just to write that down. God, in the stillness of this moment, we just have to trust that you're good, that you're for us, that you have good intentions towards us. And God, that we have to live every day with that declaration that you are who you say you are, that you are good and you have good for us. Lord, that's the beginning of the gospel, that this passage is about one word. It's about God and that our lives are about one word. Our lives are about God. So whatever it is that's holding us back, whatever it is that we just can't seem to shake, God, whatever it is that just seems to just hold, be wrapped around our legs and won't let us walk forward. God, today be a day we're just able to remove that. And God, we're able to let Jesus be over everything. And we're grateful for the gospel, the good news that Jesus that create, was created for this world, that everything was created by him and for him and in him we have meaning we have life god i just pray that for somebody listening today that they're searching for purpose they're searching for what's their life about and today they begin to see that that today their life's about jesus lord for those of us where 2020 has just been this great clarifier and we just didn't like what we see Maybe it's a personality defect. Maybe it's the fact that we're home so much more and our marriage has got some cracks in it or our parenting has some cracks. We're just lonely, God, that you would just help us to see that clearly, God, so that you could do your greatest work and you could be over 2020. And God, we just ask for these next 90 days and they would be life-changing. They would be year-changing. Lord, they'd be game-changing. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.